There's a fairly well-known Bible passage where Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour. Not even the Son, but only the Father. You've heard that before, right? What, what would you say that passage is encouraging people to do? To try to figure out when he's coming or to not figure out when he's coming? Pretty obvious, the latter, right? Not figure out the year of his coming. And yet, it's sort of like, like a dangling cat toy that a cat has to swat at. And people throughout history have said, oh, there's got to be math or something involved. And, of course, there's famous ones like the Millerites in 1848 standing on a hill in Illinois waiting for Jesus to show up in case he didn't know. He didn't. Um, And then they became kind of the roots of Jehovah Witness who kept trying and kept trying and kept swinging and kept missing and just couldn't get the message that you're not supposed to try to calculate it. And then for those who are more math challenged, I guess, they they went for the even years. So when the year 1000 came around, uh, there was quite a bit of tumult about Jesus coming again. And then for those of us who are old enough to remember, and most of us are old enough to remember, the year 2000 came around. Not only were we upset about what we thought our computers might do, we were also, some were also upset that maybe Jesus would come because it's 2000. Never mind the fact that our dating system, which was supposed to be zeroed up on Jesus' birth, is off by about two years. So it definitely wasn't going to be even number anyway, but it certainly wasn't going to be that even number. Our calendar is kind of like a scale, if you're old enough to remember this, a non-digital scale. You know where you stand on it and the thing goes... And after a while it gets off of zero a little bit and there's a little dial. That's the way our calendar is. It's just a little bit off of zero. So did it make any sense to calculate Jesus' coming based on what your calendar said? Absolutely not. And it didn't in the first place. It is a tightly guarded secret because, and it makes a lot of sense, if I knew that Jesus was going to come 10 years from now, what would I do? What would you do? What would most people do? We'd drag our feet until it was like one year, right? Or maybe half of year. We would be constantly not ready because we think that we know exactly when to get ready. Instead, Jesus wants us to be constantly ready. And we'll talk about what that means. Now, Jesus didn't come in 1848, didn't come in 2000. Could Jesus come in 2024? Let's just first deal with the theological part of this. And if he came, would that be a good thing? Or would that be a bad thing? And the answer is yes, right? Depends on who you are. Um, If you're connected to Jesus, it'll definitely be a good thing. Now, will it be scary? I think momentarily it'll be scary because we won't quite know because we've never seen it before. We've only heard it described. 
well, what we see is with Jesus coming is, is frightening stuff. But what will be happening, what will be arriving for us, will be great and glorious. The transformation from all of our troubles and all of our weaknesses and all of our sins. If you're like me and you watch the news and, and it grieves you to hear of all the world's sufferings, those days will be coming to an end. There will be no more sufferings after, after Jesus comes again. If you're also like me, that you find sometimes the work that you're given, even if it's God-given work, is, is just that. It's work. You get tired of it. You got to tough your, tough your way through it. It's labor. When Jesus comes again, doesn't mean you're not going to have any more purpose. It means you're not going to have any more labor. The difficulty of it will all melt away. Jesus will set it straight. It will be the end of sin and the curse. And I, I'm sure that we cannot conceptualize this because all we've ever experienced is a world tainted by sin, is a body tainted by sin, and, and a world where God has taken that step back and we live under a curse. So there is natural disasters and there is sickness and there is all that kind of difficulty. And we've never seen it otherwise. But in the year that Jesus comes, if it's next year or any year, it'll be a great thing. Will there be anything bad about it? Yeah, I guess. Our, our world is a tainted world. But I don't mean to suggest to you that there isn't certain joys and certain landmarks that you might enjoy. So if Jesus comes and you haven't hit that mark, yeah, that might be disappointing for a very brief while. So just looking around, uh, Joan and I are going to be grandparents this year. That's, that's the plan. If Jesus comes before that, Joan's going to be really mad. But she'll get over it. There's a couple people out here getting married in the next year. Uh, and look, Drew getting married. If, if you don't really hit that date, there'll be a lot of planning and a lot of money laid out for nothing, right? But we'll get over it. The biggest thing, the biggest bad thing, about Jesus coming again, if it were this year, is how many people will lose out. They are not in Christ. They do not have salvation. They will face the wrath of God. That by far is the worst thing. And I don't think we can wrap our mind around that either. Some of those people will be complete strangers. So the impact to you as a person will be minimal. But some of them are not strangers. You know them. You may even like them. So that puts a burden back on all of us who know what Jesus came for. 
to find the right time, to find the right words, to speak and to pray and to to hold on to that hope that, that Jesus can get through, the Holy Spirit can get through to them. So is it a good thing? It's a good thing and a bad thing if it should happen this year. Is it possible? There are some criteria to be fulfilled within the Bible. One, the, the least known one, is in Revelation 6, where um, we, we sang the song and it talked about saints under the altar. That's Revelation 6. And they ask, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? Or in other words, how long until we see Judgment Day? They, they want to get it done. They're ready for 2024 if that's the year. But they are told to wait a little longer until the full number of those who have died like they died has been fulfilled. Now that is a very, very strange criteria, right? It's like God has preordained a certain amount of martyrs for the faith. And you'd say, well, that's kind of dark. I mean, why would you want martyrs at all? And of course, to die in the consequences of people coming after you for your faith, it's got to be terrifying, but it is something of high honor. You go through a momentary terror for an eternal extra glory. And so God has this number in mind. Do I know what the number is? No. Do I know what the number is up till now? No guess. So does it tell me about how close we are? Not at all. Then, the more well-known one from Matthew 24 talks about, and this gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. So God has determined that he will have in eternity people from every nation and the gospel has to go out to them the problem is what is god's definition of nation when you look at a map you see our current geopolitical nations those are constantly changing they've only been that way for a relatively short time so don't think of it in terms of the nations and the boundaries on the map it's some other standard could it be language groups um, maybe some of you support Lutheran Bible translators or other people who want to put the Bible into different languages which I think is a good and right thing to do and maybe it's language groups. Well, maybe it's not that either. Could it be some sort of genetic pool? There's certain people who have been related to certain forebearers who have a certain genetic pool. And if I were to pick, that's the one I'd pick. But do I know that's how he defines nation? Or how long he wants the gospel to be presented to them? I know neither. I know we are closing in on the language one and every year getting much, much closer. That might be a sign for us. And then the other thing that people may point to is the book of Revelation and the events in the book of Revelation. And they would say, hey, some of these things have not happened. 
But I would caution you on, on that. That's because the book of Revelation, being the type of prophecy that it is, uh, can be one where what it's foretelling is rather hard to figure out. So, for instance, in Revelation 20, it talks about Satan being bound for a thousand years. And most church bodies say, well, that's some, something future. It has to be better than it is now when Satan is bound. But the only hint in the text as to what that refers to is it says that Satan is no longer able to deceive the nations, which could very well describe right now the fact that the gospel can go out and the gospel can have impact. And that has been true for more than a thousand years. But the thousand years, any number in Revelation is symbolic. It isn't one more year than 999. You can pretty much count on that. So it could be we're in the midst of it and almost to the end of it. Then you could say, well, there's the beast and the false prophet. But I think that they could have had fulfillment in institutions and individuals who we've already seen in history. And then the big one, maybe, Armageddon. Have we had Armageddon? And you could point to World War II, which is the biggest physical war in terms of loss of life. But when you look at how Armageddon shows up in Revelation and the fact that when Jesus comes, it's shortly after that, and people are saying peace and safety, and it's like, how can those two things go together? It makes you wonder if Armageddon is a physical war at all. It might be. The point is this. Don't use any of those as landmarks. Jesus coming and the conditions that fulfill it could be already fulfilled. He could be right at the door. And that was his point from the very beginning. He wants people to be prepared. In our gospel lesson, he says to us that you are to be dressed and ready for service, and keep your lamp burning. That's the first line that we had in our sermon today. That doesn't mean you have to sleep in your clothes. Dressed is a common way to refer to having the righteousness of Jesus covering you. You are dressed in the righteousness of Christ. In fact, that's what my robe kind of symbolizes. It symbolizes covering up sinful me in the righteousness of Jesus. And when you're connected to Jesus through baptism, and that faith is alive, then you are are dressed. Why would he put it to you as a command? Be dressed. It's because people can throw that away. Nobody can take it from you once Jesus gives it to you. But people can throw it away, and it's done all the time. Where people think, yeah, yeah, I don't believe that stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is not important to me anymore. He's extremely important, always. Be dressed and ready for service. I don't know if Jesus is going to come in 2024. If he was on a betting app, and I don't use betting apps nor encourage it, I wouldn't be putting money on 
Jesus coming in 2024. First of all, if you win, what good is it, right? Yeah. But in 2024, I, I will bet my bottom dollar that there will be opportunities for you. Every one of you. There will be opportunities for you, for God to work through you, for you to make an impact on this world and on somebody's life. In fact, I would bet that for almost every day of the upcoming year. Whether it's something small, whether it's something life-changing, who knows, maybe even world-changing in some way. There will be those opportunities. I would also put money down on the fact that there will be opportunities presented to each one of us, including me, and we'll whiff. We'll let it, we'll let it go right on by us. We won't speak. Do you know, can you relate to the feeling uh, uh, that exists inside of us when you, you're standing in front of somebody who you know needs to hear about Jesus and there's just something inside you that is holding you back? Can you relate to that, that feeling? I don't know if you want to describe it as fear or awkwardness or, or whatever. That feeling, where does that come from? It didn't come from Jesus. You could say it came from my culture, but where did it come from to your culture? It came from Satan. That's where it came from. He wants to hold you back. And sometimes, maybe even a lot of times, you will obey that feeling. And you won't speak when you could have spoke, when you should have spoke. And made an impact. Every year, every day for that matter, I say, you know, if I get that feeling again, I'm going to push right through it. And more, more often than I want it to be, I don't. I allow it to guide my ways where I should have just pushed through. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be rude to people and be injecting a talk about their salvation in the midst of, of every situation we come into. There is a right and wrong time to do it. But I'm telling you, if you have that feeling to hold you back, that's probably telling you you should be moving forward, not holding back. And there's a lot of other ways to be of service to the kingdom and reasons why God doesn't want to move forward yet. He doesn't want people to be lost. Even though mathematically, we realize this is sort of a losing battle. There are people being born every day, and of them, a majority of them are not going to be saved by Christ. So we're losing people more than we are saving people. Still, the value of people being saved is worth fighting for. For Christ, it's worth fighting for for us. So there is opportunities, and they are given to you. And it goes beyond the gospel, too, to any sort of God-given love that we can demonstrate or give to this world. And he tells you not only to be dressed, ready to serve, but also to watch. And he says it's going to be good for the servant who 
the master finds watching. Again, I don't think that means calculating the day. I don't think it means standing outside looking up in the sky. I think it is realizing that time is always short. And it may be short because Jesus comes in 2024. It may be short because this is our year to leave ourselves. And that could be true for any one of us. You don't have to be 90-something. You could be 20-something. You could be less than 10. We always want to realize that the time of our service here is brief. But our existence is enormous. So we got this little special time within the scope of our long, long existence where we are on the battlefield, where we are in service of the Lord, where we are in a situation where there is need of it. And we need to keep that in our head. We also need to watch because we know that what we're going to is greater And you shouldn't put expectations on this world that it can never, ever fulfill. It is not the place where you are going to have your greatest reward. It is not the place where you're going to have your greatest fun. It is not the place that is ever going to be fixed until Jesus comes to fix it. So we remain watchful and eager for that day. But until that day, eager for the opportunities. And may God find you faithful. May he find you dressed, having taken care of your faith, having remained strong in it. May he find you dressed and ready to serve and serving. And may he find you to be this powerful tool that that he just wants to use more because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.